Welcome to the Sharid Sedek Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. Here you'll find a live recording of just about every sermon, Devar Torah, teaching, or story from our Arab Shabbat and High Holy Day services. We know that you wish you could be with us more often, and we understand life getting in the way is not a bad thing. To live Jewishly is to understand that just as important as it is that Judaism happens in the synagogue, it's even more important to live Jewishly in your home and on your way. So here we are, in your home, on your way, maybe even on your morning run. If you ever have any questions or want to continue the discussion, let one of us know, and make sure you check out our live stream and YouTube channel for more ways that Sharid Sedek is available to you on demand. Keep an eye on your shofar and email so that when you're able, you can be with us as well. Looking forward to seeing you soon. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea, yet never in extremity it asked a crumb of me. Emily Dickinson. It's Rosh Hashanah, Shana Tova. As a new year begins, we reflect on our place in the world. Each of us are expected to examine our lives, our deeds, our transgressions, our intentions, and our significance. We engage in the dual action of reflection and projection, considering our past and reimagining our destinies. What will be the legacy that we establish day by day and year by year? Will it be a legacy of family? Of love? Will it be a legacy of life and justice? Or will it be a legacy of anger, pettiness, or broken promises? Or will it be a legacy of that feathered thing, hope? This is the day of the world's creation. Each day, our tradition teaches the world is made anew. And each year, this And each year this day celebrates, among other things, the anniversary of creation. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Our rabbis of old found a kasha, a difficulty, in the biblical account of creation. In one verse, we're told that God created all of the plants well before Ha'adam, the first human being. Then, a few verses later, we're given the following description. No shrub of the field was yet on the earth, nor had their grasses yet sprouted, because the eternal God had not sent rain upon the earth, and there was no person to till the soil. The eternal God formed Ha'adam, the first person, from the dust of the earth, blowing into the nostrils the breath of life, and Ha'adam, Adam became a living being. It would seem that there is a contradiction. Were the plants created before Adam, or did they only sprout once human beings arrived to till the soil? A passage of the Talmud resolves this difficulty. 
Ravasi explains, this teaches that the grasses emerged on the third day and stood at the opening of the ground, but they did not grow until Adam, the first one, came and prayed for mercy upon them. And the rain came, and they sprouted. And this is meant to teach you that the Holy Blessed One desires the prayers of the righteous. From the beginning of creation, we are told that we are partners with God in creating the world that we see around us. Human hope and righteous prayer have the ability to shape the future, and it is our obligation and responsibility to leave our mark on the world and to leave the world a little better than we found it. Adam prayed, the rains came, the sprouts broke through, the world became verdant and vivid, fruitful and thriving. Each one of us has the power of Adam to pray and to hope and through our labor to leave a legacy for the future. You may wonder how a single human being can cause a forest of vegetation to arise, but perhaps it's not just an inspiring metaphor. Take Moduli Island. Today, home to 150,000 residents of 10 different ethnic groups in Northeast India. It is the world's largest river island, located entirely within the Brahmaputra River. 40 years ago, Moduli Island was a pale and desolate sandbar, so inhospitable to life that when animals from the river found their way ashore, they died in the heat. A 16-year-old boy named Jadev Paying witnessed this and was disheartened. However, Jadev did not let a bleak feeling of powerlessness overwhelm him. He realized that it was within his power to change what he saw, and once he understood that he had the ability, he knew that it was his duty. He went out near the shoreline and planted a few shoots of bamboo, which quickly grew into a small stand of shady trees, providing desperately needed shade. Each day he came to the island to plant trees, to tend to their growth, and to slowly transform the sandy desert into a place that would one day be habitable. Cotton trees, myrtle, silk trees, and all kinds of herbs. Where others saw only a wasteland, he saw hope. Today, 40 years later, he lives with his family on the island, surrounded by his living legacy. Jadev still gets up each day and is out by 4.30 in the morning to do the work of planting. What began as a few scattered trees is now a forest of nearly 1,400 acres, and so dense that he sometimes has to cut his way through the growth in order to plant new trees. This one-man forest is now home not only to Jadev and many other people, but also beneficial fruit trees, medicinal herbs, grasses, rabbits, birds, monkeys, deer, and even Bengal tigers, rhinoceros, elephants. It is not as if I did it alone, Jadev explains. You plant one or two trees and they have to seed. And once they seed, the wind 
knows how to plant them. The birds here know how to sow them. Cows know, elephants know, even the Brahmaputra River knows. Not everyone can live to see the forest that grows from the plants, from the seeds that they plant, like Jadev has. Sometimes it takes more than a lifetime for the seeds we plant to bear fruit. Another passage of the Talmud relates the fantastical story of Honi the circle maker. One day Honi was journeying on the road and he saw a man planting a carob tree. He asked, how long does it take for this tree to bear fruit? The man replied, 70 years. Choni further inquired, are you certain that you will live another 70 years to see the fruits of your labor? The man replied, I have found a world of carob trees, and as my ancestors planted those for me, so I too plant these for my children. The Talmud goes on to tell of how Choni was miraculously sealed up and slept for 70 years. He awoke to find the carob tree fully grown and the grandson of the man who had planted it now gathering its fruit. He returned to his own home and found his own grandson, now a man, thriving. At the Beit Midrash, the study hall, he overheard students quoting his own words. Choni, the Talmud tells us, could not bear to live as a man outside of time, but he saw his own legacy laid out before his eyes. Whether by miracle or vision, or merely by metaphor, we do not know how. Yet, Honi saw that his teachings became renowned, that his family endured, that the seeds he saw planted went on to yield fruit beyond the lifetime of those who sowed them, and he was filled with hope. You don't have to plant a forest or even a single carob to grow a worthwhile legacy. Your carob seed might be something entirely different. Whether you plant seeds of hope and justice or seeds of discord and war, they will surely grow. Some people have learned this the hard way. Chances are you've heard of the Nobel Prize. It's known globally as the most prestigious prize awarded in seven different fields, in chemistry, literature, physics, medicine, economics, and of course, most famously, the Nobel Peace Prize. The prize is intended to, quote, reward the discoveries that have conferred the greatest benefit to mankind. The story of how such a prize emerged starts with an unexpected figure. Alfred Nobel was a chemist and engineer who developed the first stable form of explosive nitroglycerin, now commonly known by Nobel's patented name, dynamite. In fact, Nobel filed hundreds of patents over the course of his life, many of which were related to explosives and munitions. As an industrialist, he was quite successful at employing those patents. It wasn't until he opened up the newspaper one day and found his own name in the obituaries that his outlook suddenly changed. Upon the death of his brother Ludwig, several papers had mistakenly reported 
that Alfred himself had died. One scathing newspaper item was entitled, The Merchant of Death is Dead. Like Choni the Circle Maker, Alfred Nobel came face to face with his legacy. But unlike Choni, he didn't like what he saw. So he dedicated his fortune to a new kind of foundation that would recognize and empower those who contributed the most to the well-being of humanity. He transformed a legacy of death into a legacy of hope, peace, and humanity. How many people do you know who could name a 19th century chemist if he hadn't gone on to establish the Nobel Peace Prize? Alfred Nobel had the vision and the opportunity to change his legacy before it was too late. The legacy that you leave matters. Nobel established the foundation for the prize through his last will, so he never actually saw one of the prizes awarded, but he surely had some inkling, or at least some hope, of what his legacy would be. Not everyone gets that chance. I open this evening with words from the great American poet Emily Dickinson. Although today she is widely regarded as one of the most iconic poets of her era, during her lifetime she was almost completely unknown. Of her massive library of 1,800 poems, perhaps a dozen were published within her lifetime. It was only after her death that her sister discovered the great cache of poems that she had written over the years and worked to have them published. Dickinson's simply stated musings about nature, life, and death, secular and religious reflection, have left an indelible mark on the American literary psyche. But she never knew it. Perhaps she never aspired to be famous for her poetry. After all, one of her best-known poems is titled, I'm Nobody. Yet, the seeds that she planted grew, regardless of her intentions. Her passion and her effort bore fruit long after her worldly life had ended. Does your legacy matter if you never know about it? Consider Jonathan Larson, a Jewish kid who grew up in White Plains, New York. He grew up playing the trumpet, the tuba, the piano. I don't know if he was ever asked to sound the shofar in his temple, but he probably would have done it pretty well. Growing up in the 60s and 70s, he came from a theater-loving family. He and his sister Julie recalled listening to records of every Broadway show they could find over and over. With an innate stage presence, it was natural for Jonathan to follow his passions studying musical theater and composing. He became the classic starving artist in Manhattan living in a tiny fifth floor walk-up that smelled like old milk and had a bathtub in the kitchen. But he was dedicated. He ambitiously decided to write a new song every day. When a friend once expressed skepticism, he simply replied, well, Schubert did it. At a certain point, he began working on an ambitious new project. It was 
a modern retelling of a 100-year-old opera that he believed would forever change musical theater. It would incorporate rock and roll, opera, pop, gospel, and the traditions of the great Broadway composers. It would be highbrow and lowbrow. It would bring in people from across generations and people who had never attended a Broadway musical before. For seven years, Jonathan composed. He wrote and rewrote. Sometimes more than eight hours a day, seven days a week, he worked without pay. He hustled, sending tapes and setting appointments with anyone who could help him to put on the show. His friends and his family became a network of support, building the momentum of his dream. They staged readings and workshops. They found a little off-Broadway company that had never produced a musical who agreed to stage the show with the help of an arts grant. Opening night was arriving. Things were coming together. There was a little scare in the last week of rehearsal when Jonathan had a sudden pain in his chest and was rushed to the hospital after collapsing. The doctors ran all the appropriate tests but found nothing to worry about. The dress rehearsal was an exciting moment for Jonathan, followed by an interview with a New York Times theater critic who was excited to talk to the writer and composer of this exciting little new show called Rent. That night, January 25th, 1996, the night before the opening of the show, Jonathan Larson, writer and composer of the musical Rent, suffered a fatal aneurysm. It was so rare in someone his age that the doctors had missed it. He never saw the opening of his show. He never saw its success when it moved to Broadway. He never knew that he would go on to win three Tony Awards and a Pulitzer Prize posthumously. The show became an international touring hit, was adapted into a major Hollywood film. It ended up being everything that Jonathan had hoped. It inspired a generation of actors, writers, and composers it changed the course of musical theater and launched the careers of folks like Tay Diggs, Anthony Rapp, and Edina Menzel. It filled young people with hope in their personal struggles and it gave a voice of hope to the voiceless and downtrodden. Jonathan Larson planted the seed and his legacy only grew. Every effort that you put into the world Every passion that you pursue, every lesson that you teach is a seed that you plant. We have no way of knowing which seeds will sprout and grow. We have no way of knowing the size of the forest you can plant. From Adam we learn that our role is to shape the world around us and our duty is to work and hope for a better future. From Jadev Paying we learn that our actions and choices really do matter and that a legacy is formed one day at a time. Alfred Nobel shows us that we can always change our legacy as we look today to the coming year and to the future. Jonathan Larson teaches that a person's legacy can outlive them and continue to bring hope to the world. 
You can begin to build your own legacy of hope today. You do not have to plant a forest or write a hit musical or invest a hundred million dollars. Our faith rests on the foundational belief that all the world's wrongs can be righted, given a long enough timeline and enough good people working diligently with effort, compassion, dedication, and inspiration, your legacy can help to save the world. Everyone who has shaped the world around us had to start somewhere and has had to start small. Hope may perch, waiting for a time when it is needed, but your legacy, like the grasses of Adam, once tended, they continue to blossom and grow, creating new seeds that will blossom and grow, leaving a piece of us, a piece of our creation that will last into eternity. As Emily Dickinson wrote, if I can stop one heart from breaking, I shall not live in vain. If I can ease one life the aching or cool one pain or help one fainting robin up to its nest again, I shall not live in vain. Shana Tovah.